Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Well, before we do get started, I do want to say our listener support campaign continues, and I want to thank Burton and Julia so much for their support. They became uh, one-time supporters through support.greatdetectives.net. And uh, as usual, you know, throughout the year, if you send in a donation of $7 or more, we'll send access to the premium site. During our listener support campaign, in addition to that, we'll send you a free ebook and an additional thank you gift with an, a donation of $20 or more. Some of the items that are available at the $20 level will send you one of the great Colonial Radio Theater Perry Mason audio drum, uh, dramatizing the uh, original novels by Earl Stanley Gardner, including Perry Mason in the Case of the Velvet Cause, Perry Mason in the Case of the Sulky Girl, and my personal favorite, Perry Mason and the Case of the Howling Dog. And at the $100 or more level, if you're in the U.S. or Canada, we will gladly uh, send you, with your donation of $100 or more, your choice of Seasons 1, 2, 3, or 4 of the 1960s Dragnet TV series, or the 1954 Technicolor Dragnet movie, where you get to see 1950s Joe Friday in living color. That's with a donation of $100 or more, full list of available items and thank you gifts at support.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it's time for this week's episode of Dragnet. And this week's episode begins with a warning recorded by Jack Webb. Uh, and it's one to heed. Uh, this is one that I will definitely uh, say it's certainly not lurid and it's pretty tame by the standards of our modern uh, television shows. But I will definitely say it's uh, parental discretion advised due to the uh, subject matter. With that said, from February the 15th of 1951, here now is The Big Crime. Ladies and gentlemen, this program is for you, not for children. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to juvenile bureau. A worried mother calls your office and reports that her four-year-old twin girls are missing. Hours pass. The children fail to turn up. Your job? Find them. documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law to an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Saturday, August 7th. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of juvenile bureau. A 
partner is Ben Rimmel. The boss is Inspector Bowen. My name's Friday. It was 7.35 p.m. when we got to where we parked our car. 80K. Back that way, huh? Yeah. You like to swing around here, huh? Yeah. Right. Oh, I'm on that side. Okay. Plenty of room here. No, you better wait a minute. Huh? Okay. It's all clear now. I don't know about you. I think there's something sour about the whole thing. Well, when we check at the house, the kids might have turned up while we were gone. Yeah, I hope so. Should have to go back there empty handed. Not one lousy lead. Mm-hmm. Hard to figure. The little girls just wandered off. Somebody should have spotted them by this time. Unless there was some kind of an accident. Mm-hmm. What time is that? Mm-hmm. 20 minutes to eight. Five hours. It's a long time for a pair of four-year-olds to be out of sight, and Parents are going to be worried sick when you tell them. Let's get up the next block, Jimmy. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Might as well pull up right here. Yeah, that's good. Let's go. Yeah. Lousy job. I'll put in with you. Oh. Yeah, I'll just come in. Thank you. Have you heard anything? No, sir, not too much, Mr. Carson. We just finished checking the neighborhood. Well, somebody around must have seen the kids. Did you talk to everybody? We checked out all the names you gave us, sir. Everyone who knows your little girls, the kids they play with, their friends, parents, storekeepers in the area. But somebody had to see them. They've got to be around someplace. Joan and Tilly got lost in that park. I know they would have headed up toward home. What is it? The bandit? No, we're still checking those Carson. Nothing much to tell you right now. Dear God, somebody's got a thing. Telling Joan couldn't have wandered off that far. I don't think it's as bad as it might seem to you, ma'am. Children have been missing a lot longer than your two little girls and turned up all right. Just try to relax, Miss Carson. Why hasn't somebody been? They wandered out from us in the park, but it's only three blocks from the house. Why hasn't somebody been? Darker. God knows what could have happened to me, no? Take it easy, honey. Don't start imagining things. I think it's just a matter of time, ma'am. We've got three teams of men working on it with us. Got another broadcast on your girl. Did you talk to the families on the street in Pittsburgh? Yes, ma'am, we did. We checked out all the names that you gave us. There is one thing we wanted to ask you about. What's this, Sergeant? Well, about the spot in the park where you had your picnic this afternoon where the little girls wandered off from. Exactly where I pointed it out to the other officers by the eucalyptus grove. Right off 7th Avenue. Just about two thirty this afternoon. We sent a glance. Frank was taking a nap, and I was waiting. I saw the girls playing tag over by the tree. I looked up and came out, and they were gone. Just like I told the other one. Then you're sure about that location? Of course I'm sure. Why should I lie to you? I want to find the girl. Thanks, Frank. I said, Frank. Yes, ma'am. Come on, honey. Take it easy, huh? It, it's just never happened to us before, Sergeant. No, until it's never gone off like this. It, it's not like them, that's all. They're only babies, really. Yes, sir. Do you like me to get that for you, Mr. Carson? Yes, sir. Would you please? Yes. Oh, hi, Wilkie. Joe, anything? No, I can't. You? Want to start 
Ralph and I checked with a guy who runs an ice cream wagon. He works the area in the park where the kids disappeared. What did he tell you? He saw a couple of little girls about a half a mile from that eucalyptus grove. About three o'clock this afternoon. They were with a man. Yeah. So you saw the man put the kids in a truck and drove off with them. Together with Tom Wilkie, Ben and I left the home of Mr. and Mrs. Frank Carson, the parents of the missing girls, without telling them about the latest report. Until it was positively confirmed, we felt that telling them would serve no purpose other than to worry them needlessly. The ice cream vendor, a Mr. George Comanche, who had reported seeing the four-year-old girl, considered to drive out with us to the park area where he spotted the children in the company of an unidentified man. I was right over there, officers. This big guy, a uh, mustache... He had the little girls, uh, one on each hand. He was walking them out of that clump of trees over there. Think you can describe the man for us, Mr. Comanche? Oh, I didn't look that close. Uh, I thought he was the father. Uh, the kids were sniffling, you know. Maybe like they'd been crying. Well, I'd better check the ground over there by the trees, huh? Yeah, sure. Stan, Ralph, you want to go look over here? Didn't you notice anything at all about this man, Mr. Comanche? I mean, other than his mustache? Um, well... Big man, big shoulders, regular truck driver, you know. Work shoes, blue shirt, blue pants, jeans, I guess. Mm-hmm. How about the color of his hair? Some kind of distinguishing marks, maybe? No, I don't know. I thought he was the father. The kids were sniffling there. The little girls. Mm-hmm. Was anything wrong? It didn't look like it. Well, how about this man's truck? Did you notice that? No, I didn't. I was busy with the freezer motor then. Gives me lots of trouble all the time. What about the license number? Did you happen to look at that? Maybe I should have looked. I didn't. Bag of peanuts, officers. Warm, nice and fresh. Yeah, thanks. There you are. Why don't you eat them while they're warm? Good. No, I save them for my boy. He's crazy for peanuts. No, Sam? Excuse us, Mr. Clancy. Sure, sure. Go ahead. You're welcome. Sam found these over in the bushes by the trees there. Uh, Little girl's petticoats. Little girl's dress. Lunch with some friends at the Blue Pigeon on Wilcox. 
Then we went on a tour of one of the studios. All right. So your friends confirm that story for you? Oh, no, they won't. They left town tonight. The 815 train for San Francisco. Oh, yes, Mr. Selden? That's a friend of mine from up north, Graham. Wants to hear Indian love call, okay? Certainly, Mr. Selden, right away. What about it, Graham Burns? Who's docking for your alibi? Already told you. My friend's left town. You can check with a guard at the movie studio if you want. He had a pass. Time punched in, time punched out. It should be all there. You want to call and check that studio? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be rude, Sergeant. I always did feel that registration business is unfair. Oh, that so? Of course. Grossly unfair. So how do you suggest we keep track of you? Why do I have to be kept track of anyway? You know as well as I do, your record is all a lie. I hardly even touched the kid. I paid my time anyway. Why can't you give me a break? Every time something happens to a kid, I have a cop on my neck. Were you in the 7th Avenue Park at any time today, Gamble? What? Were you in the 7th Avenue Park today? Matter of fact, I was, yeah. I took a walk there. What time was that? I don't know. I left my friends after lunch. Came home to freshen up about 1.30, I guess. I was in the park about 1.45, 2 o'clock. Only stayed a few minutes. When did you leave? About 2.15. You went from the park to meet your friends at the studio? Exactly right, yes. Did you see two dark-haired little girls while you were in the park? No, I didn't see anybody. I was by myself. Mm-hmm. You sure of that? Well, of course I'm sure. If I did see them, it wouldn't mean anything. I don't molest kids. I don't get along with them, that's all. Another one, Graham. I wonder if you'd mind playing Diane. Anniversary party, you know. Oh, all right. Thanks, Graham. What I was saying, Sergeant, it's the truth. I couldn't hurt a little kid. I never could. No one said you have. Well, I know, but I just want to know how I feel. Maybe I don't get along with kids, but I couldn't hurt them. Little girls, especially. I like kids, really. I just don't understand how I like them. Real strange thing, isn't it? Yeah. Bill, can I see? Did you talk to the studio? Yeah, I checked with the guy. What did he say? Bamberg was there from 2.30 to 4.30. He double checked the time. Yeah, his alibi is good. 10.55 p.m. The four-year-old costume girls were still missing. A special detail of men from homicide were assigned to a general canvas of stores and homes in the park area. All the residents were questioned. No one had seen the children. 11.20 p.m. We headed back to the Carston home. I'm all out of smoke, Joe. You got some? No, I'm out, too. The drugstore up ahead, I guess we can get some there, huh? Mm. That car in front of us. That's Wilkie and Bates' car, isn't it? Let's see. Yeah. Oh, here's Wilkie coming out of the drugstore. Hey, Will? Come on, Joe. Just talk to the office. Hey, Will. We got a call from the valley station a few minutes ago. Yeah. Little girls, they've been found. You are listening to Dragnet for the step-by-step solution to tonight's authentic case history. got the word that the four-year-old Carson twins had been found, Ben and I drove back to the office where Inspector Bowling filled us in. A few minutes past 11 p.m., a motorist out in the valley spotted the two small girls walking hand-in-hand along a deserted side road off Ventura Boulevard. Their clothing was dirty and torn. They were alone. The motorist picked them up, took them to the valley division station where the girls were identified. We sent out a partial cancellation on the APB. 
twin girls were taken to the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital where they were treated for cuts and bruises when they were returned to their home. The doctor reported that both girls had been criminal molested. The search for the abductor went on. Late the next day, Ben and I drove out to the Carson home to talk to the twins, Joan and Tilly. They had no luck at all. They were still shaken up from the excitement and shock of their experience. They went back to the living room with their mother, Helen Carson. It was the same thing this morning when I tried to question them. They just don't want to talk about it. Must have been horrible for us. Did they tell you anything at all, Mrs. Carson? Well, Joan just refuses to talk about it. She says the man is big. That's all I can get out of him. Tilly seems a little more willing to talk, though. She's always been a little more forward than Joan ever since they were babies. Well, see. Well, could she add anything at all to what your other little girl told you about the man? She told her father the man had a mustache. Probably impressed her because my husband wears one, too. Mm-hmm. Pretty certain she's right about that. I can usually tell when she's making up things. Well, how about the way the man was dressed, his clothes? No, they didn't mention anything particular. Kelly told me the man was dirty. She said it two or three times. Dirty. Dirty clothes. She might have meant the man had work clothes on. There's so many expressions, I don't know. Well, how did the man get your little girls into the truck? Did he offer them candy or something like that? Well, Kelly said something about a kitten. The man had a little kitten, and he was going to give it to them. I told him about that once. I told him a thousand times. Stay away from strangers. Don't go with them. Yes, ma'am. Did they tell you anything else at all about the man's description? Mm-hmm. Tilly said the man is big. I don't know if he could count on that. Everybody looks big to her. I talked to her an hour, but she just kept repeating the same story. The man made them cry, tore their dresses, hurt them. It's horrible for them. Yes, ma'am. Did he tell you anything at all about the truck the man was driving? Maybe the color or something like that? Well, Tilly called it a big car. Funny big car. She thought it was red with red pictures all over it. You can't put much faith in that, though. Why not, ma'am? Well, everything's red to Tilly now. Everything has red pictures on it. Just the face she's going through. A few weeks ago, it was blue. Everything was blue to her. Now it's red. Everything's red. I see. Well, you think they might be able to tell you a little more in a day or so after they've quieted down? Well, I don't know. I certainly hope so. Thank God it's all over. Their home's safe. That's all that counts. Well, ma'am, I'm afraid there's more to it than that. What? The man that did it's still free. Monday, August 9th. The search for the suspect went on. All of us, the men from juvenile and homicide detail, were pretty much seeing our way in the dark. Repeated questioning of residents living in the area where the abduction took place meant us nothing. Our two star witnesses, the four year old twins, were able to contribute little. We stayed on it. Another three days of pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, and asking stock questions led nowhere. As in most cases like this one, the criminal enjoyed the distinct advantage of having victims who were unable, because of their age, to clearly identify him. Tuesday, August 10th. In the late afternoon, we got a call from a Bernice Hopper, a real estate agent in the West Hollywood area. 4.15 p.m. Ben and I drove out to interview her. Excuse me, officer. Let us go find that listing book first. Well, right ahead, Miss Hopper. I just know it's got to be here someplace. Well, yesterday morning, I remember the thing. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Now I can start to do business again. Well... I don't know if this is going to help you any in your case, officers, but I certainly think something should be done about it. Flagrant. That's the only word I can think of, just flagrant. Well, would you like to tell us about it, ma'am? Well, I saw him yesterday, for one thing. 
Well, we're coming back from lunch about 2.30 in the afternoon. Mondays always have late lunch. Yes, I see. I was passing the corner a few blocks from the grammar school right up above on Prospect Avenue. And I saw this truck parked and this truck driver leaning out of the window talking to some children. Just stopped. They were just stopped. Yes, ma'am. What happened? Well, what happened? It's not so much that. It's just the way this truck driver was talking to these children. I must have been at least 20 feet from them, and even I could hear. What was that, ma'am? He bonded. Just filthy. I couldn't understand a grown man talking to little tops like that. Every time it felt every obscene word to think of. Flagrant, just. Flagrant. Was there any point in the way he was talking to the children, Miss Arthur? I mean, was he mad at them? Did he seem sober? Or what was it? Mm-hmm. Filth, that's all I know of. He was dirt and filth. Some of the children didn't like it, and they told him. That only made him dead all the more. I really think you ought to check up on him. Yes, ma'am. Can you tell us anything else about it? Oh, will you excuse me? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. How do you do? My name's Henry Popper. May I help you? Uh, how do you do? I'm Arthur Tomlinson. You, you showed me in the wife's place last weekend. Oh, yes, of course, Mr. Tomlinson. The cottage out on Norwich, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, the wife and I certainly didn't like it. She wants me to put a deposit on it. Still for sale, I guess. Well, no. As a matter of fact, I sold it Monday. It's just like I told you. Things go fast. Of course, you had a substantial down payment to make at the time. Oh, yeah, it's... It did take me a few days to get some money together. It was too bad. Well, we certainly loved the place. It was too bad, I guess. I'm oh, very sorry, Mr. Thomas. There wasn't anything I can do. Oh, yeah, I, I know that. Well, thanks anyway, ma'am. I guess we'll keep looking. Something may turn up. Oh, I'm sure it will. Thanks for stopping by again, Mr. Thomas. Yeah. Bye. Oh, my. Everybody wants something for nothing. They want houses, but they don't show the money. You know what was it? The truck driver that you saw me. Oh, yeah. Well, after hearing that talk of his, I just copied down the license number of the truck. I got right here in my desk. Well, how about the truck driver, ma'am? Did you get a good look at him? I certainly did. The way he acted with those children. Anything unusual about his appearance? No, nothing besides his foul mouth. He was tall, dark, had a mustache. Ties in. One more thing. Truckers driving. Yes, ma'am. There were pictures painted on the side. Circus animals, I think. Did you notice the color? Oh, yes. It was red. Even the pictures are red. 4.45 p.m. We took the license number of the truck which Bernice Hopper had given us and drove back to the office and checked it through DMV. We found the truck was registered to a commercial baking firm in the south end of town. Through their personnel department and their dispatcher's office, we got the name and address of the employee who was driving the truck the same day Bernice Hopper had spotted the driver talking to the school children. His name was Lester Wiley. We checked a little further, found that he was driving the same truck the day the Karsten twins were abducted. We called into R&I. Wiley had no criminal record. 6.30 p.m., we located the suspect at his home, an old-style green and white bungalow on the edge of the Highland Park District. He sat in the dining room and drank some kind of sweet wine from a large water glass while we questioned him. That's just stupid of me, huh? I didn't even ask if you wanted some of this. Oh, thank you, Wally. I'd like to have you explain about your language in front of those cool kids. Nothing to explain. <coughs> Bunch of those kids are hanging out of the truck. 
Well, maybe they wanted to get in and grab some of the cakes and stuff. I read them off, that's all. Well, that still doesn't explain the filthy language, Wiley. Hmm? I don't know. Maybe I wasn't feeling good that day. Might let a few cuss words slip. I didn't mean anything by it. I like kids. Do you usually make deliveries up around that school area, Wiley? Once in a while, yeah. I get around quite a bit. That's not what they tell us down where you were. Huh? You had no business in the neighborhood of that school. You deliver rots on the other end of town. So I can't drive where I want, huh? I guess the delivery's made. What are they squawking about? I'd like to know what you were doing up in that neighborhood. I was on my lunch hour. Drove out to see a friend. I got a friend living near the school. What's the matter, anyway? Don't you think you've had enough of this? Look, you're not telling me what I have to do in my house. It's my house. I want a glass of wine, I have it. You're not telling me what to do. All right, Wiley, just take it easy. Take it easy, nothing. I talked to you too long enough. There's the door. You're not coming in here telling me what to do. You better get your coat. We'll talk downtown. We're not talking any place. Now, get out. Get out of this house right now. Afraid your alibi's not going to hold up, Wiley? Say it. I don't know what you're talking about. You're trying to frame me. Don't you think I know that? That doesn't make much sense. Why should we want to frame you? I know what you're getting at. Well, just what you're getting at. Those two little girls last week, you're going to say I took them. You're going to say I did things to them. Well, I didn't. You had anything to do with it. Didn't you? Oh, no. No, I didn't. Oh, look, I'm sorry. Why don't you sit down? You know what I said? Because I just got nervous. Sure, Wally, we understand. Why don't you let me get a couple of glasses, huh? Have some of this wine. Warms you up. Good. No, oh, thank you. Just like to have you straighten us out on a couple of things, and we'll let you know. Yeah? I'd like to know if you can account for your time between 12 noon and 11 p.m. last Saturday. <coughs> that's the day somebody picked up those two little girls, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Wiley? I don't know. I was making deliveries like I always do. Up to 11 o'clock at night? I was a little late, yeah. Nothing unusual, though. That's so? Mm. Another working day, that's so. all. I might have been near the park where those kids were. Doesn't mean anything, though. I get around quite a bit. A lot of deliveries to make. All right, come on. How about it, Wiley? Hmm? Did you grab those two little girls? Watch it, Joe. Uh, All right, mister. That's enough. Get out of my house. Get out of my house. All right, Ben. Get them on him. Yeah. Get out of the pool, but you know that. And what about it, Wiley? No good at all. You want to tell us about it? I didn't mean it, that's all. Didn't mean it. Just once in a while, something goes wrong with me. I like kids. I like them too much, I guess. I don't mean to hurt them. You ready to go now? Anything you say. Thought I had it with me when I grabbed the kids. What? Thought I was in my coat pocket. Glad I lost it. Glad you lost one. A pocket knife. I was going to kill him. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On December 10th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 87, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial.
his rights to a preliminary hearing. And at his arraignment in Superior Court, he entered a plea of guilty to one count of kidnapping and one count of child molesting. He received the sentence as prescribed by law and is now serving his term in the state penitentiary. You have just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Now there's more exciting listening with Counter Spy on NBC. This is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site. We stream live OTR Westerns 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, along with putting out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. I have to really appreciate the sensitivity with which uh, Jack Webb approached the issue, and particularly the way that warning was written. It was simple, but it was very straightforward. And um, I think it was one of those things that Dragnet does in dealing with a lot of difficult issues, uh, you know, serving not only to entertain, but to educate people about a really serious risk. But it's also something that they understood that people might not want their kids to hear. And uh, this was a program that uh, pretty much a whole family would uh, tend to listen to. So that was definitely an appropriate uh, warning. I do think it was an interesting insight into the times, and particularly how the criminal was caught in this case was through his use of filthy language around children. Uh, it caused me to wonder a little bit uh, if the police would have managed to capture a criminal who that was his main slip-up, because it's hard to um, imagine that thing, uh, sort of thing being uh, noticed uh, to today, yet alone reported. As an aside, I also have to admit it was kind of interesting that they had a bar in which an organist was uh, employed. Uh, it's obviously when I think of people being paid as organist, I think of people working at a ballpark or in a church or uh, perhaps for uh, uh, an old theater or occasionally to score uh, like a movie or a radio program. But that you actually would have someone playing an organ in a bar rather than a piano. I think it attests to the fact that organ music is um, a lot less popular than it once was. And it's definitely a talent and a skill. Uh, it's becoming a lot rarer that someone will actually play the organ. I know in the area where I live, if uh, a church that uses an organist in their worship uh, needs to find someone to fill in and they don't have anyone in their congregation who can do it, it will generally run them about $150 a service, which I think attests to the uh, rarity of the skill. Finally, uh, before we go, I do we do have a listener comment from... Uh, uh, Vitasta, 
Um, who writes, listening to uh, at Radio Detectives, so glad that all these episodes exist on a podcast. Well, thanks so much for your comment. And uh, we are over on Twitter at uh, Radio Detectives. Um, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. Before we go, I do want to remind you, our listener support campaign continues. Among the uh, rewards we do have out there at the $20 level, we have the ebook Dragnet, The Case of the Courteous Killer. It's a tie-in novel that has is available now for the Kindle, and that is with a donation of $20 or more. Uh, also, at the uh, $50 or $100 level, we will send you a gift certificate to RadioArchives.com, uh, which offers a lot of great, high-quality, old-time radio uh, recordings, as well as audiobooks based on old pulp magazines and pulp reprints. A full list of available thank you gifts is over at uh, support.greatdetectives.net. And remember, you can support us monthly, patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, coming up tomorrow, it's our last listener support special. And then on Monday, Michael Shane. Thursday, we'll be bringing you Mystery Theater with Mark Saber. And then join us back here next Saturday for another episode of Dragnet. In the meanwhile, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.